Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany. And I am Marcella. And we are the Grounded Space Cadets. Our intention with this podcast is to make spirituality accessible, simple, and community-based. We explore all angles of spirituality with a beginner's mind, with a critical eye. And with an aim to ground our experience of the metaphysical, celestial, paranormal, and the occult. Our lessons are for learning, exploring, expanding, and not for indoctrinating, shaming, or dismissing. Marcella, why don't you tell us what we're going to talk about today? Absolutely. I'm so excited. It's been a few weeks since we last recorded our last podcast, which was all about the dark night of the soul. And I mean all about it. We dug deep into it. And we're moving into the next phase, which I wouldn't say next phase. It's probably what comes before that dark night of the soul, really understanding what goes on with us physically, emotionally, and mentally through spiritual alchemy. So today it's all about spiritual alchemy, the phases of alchemy, how that actually impacts us, and what we can do um, as we're moving into these dark nights of the soul and what to prepare for and how to recognize some of the triggers or emotions or things that start happening around you and in you as you're going through spiritual alchemy and what that means for us. Yes, yes. Thank you. Um, Spiritual alchemy or just alchemy in general has been around for a long time. Anybody who um, enjoys spiritual topics and new age things will have heard of alchemy. And alchemy was a pseudoscience in the medieval era um, in which alchemists attempted to change base materials elements and the the biggest example of that is trying to turn lead into gold or even the profiting from and becoming wealthy and rich but a lot of spiritual minds have um, taken the concept of alchemy and have applied it to more symbolic purposes and with alchemy al means um to change and then chemi so changing, transmuting, transforming ourselves is spiritual alchemy. And I think there's a, an important symbolism there alone of spiritual alchemy when we look at like the pseudoscience of it, right? Taking lead, a very, uh, uh, a material that we consider not very good, kind of low grade, and then turning into something luxurious like like gold. And I feel like that's that spiritual alchemy type, how it ties into spiritual alchemy, where it's like, you're going from these low vibration states of being and then chemically, you there's a lot of change and transition that goes inside of us. I feel like as we go through these um, phases, and you know, it's to come out the other side, not necessarily made of gold, but your soul at a different level of frequency, you're able to you know, live life in a different type of state of being um, once you've understood some of these lessons that life is just tossing at you. So I feel like it's very uh, fitting, the whole idea of, you know, that lead into gold, but then also these low vibrations into high vibrations. And that's what spiritual alchemy kind of is for us, what it kind of brings for us. Yeah, it provides us a framework to change within us that we don't align with to change within us that we don't particularly like about ourselves and, or to change something that isn't working for us. Like for us to do any like real change, 
outside of ourselves in the world, like we got to work on ourselves first. And that's not everybody's approach to life. But I mean, I think Marcella and I agree that life is more rewarding and interesting when we work on ourselves first before we try to change the things around us. It really, alchemy gives us a chance to empower ourselves and that we want to see. Absolutely. It's, it's, you know, leading by example, it's instead of trying to impose our way of being to other people, instead of trying to impose our expectations, it's taking a look at ourselves and, and asking, well, is there something that maybe I need to look at differently? Have I experienced life a certain way that now is, you know, perpetuating certain ideals or certain stigmas or certain ways of thinking that maybe no longer serve me anymore. They maybe never have served you, but, you know, because of logic and civilization, it kind of made sense at the time, or maybe it did serve you at the time, but now it's just at the stage of life you're in. It's just, it's no longer something that is helping you. It's no longer something that is propelling you forward in, in, in life. It's actually hindering you. It's become you know, a hindrance from you being able to believe in yourself to go after that next phase, that next goal, that next level, whatever it may be. It's these self-imposed limitations um, or as they're traditionally known, you know, these uh, limiting beliefs, right? It's, It's limiting beliefs about ourselves because at the same time, we've planted these beliefs ourselves. So if we planted these beliefs, we can also dig them up take them the fuck out and plant new mm-hmm. ones if we need to. Right. And I feel like that's right. what spiritual alchemy allows us to do. Yeah. And what I like about spiritual alchemy before we get into um, the stages and the phases, one analogy or one um, element that spiritual alchemy is analogous to is really seen in the world of education. Um, we teach our students growth mindset. We know that the brain now has, an enormous capacity to heal it with neuroplasticity, and that we can be lifelong learners. We don't have to stop. Um, our brain is continually developing. Um, it, we see different rates of development, obviously, at different uh, developmental stages of life. But just because we um, grow old doesn't mean that we can't um, change the way um, things are in ourselves, or we can't learn new things. It might take us a little bit longer or slower. But there's a lot of um, empowerment knowing that we, if we change the way we think about our limiting beliefs, it opens up the door for more potential in our life. Um, uh, it opens up the door to live a more fulfilling life, knowing that like, okay, um, where does this come from? Limiting beliefs often come from um, societal expectations, external issues that uh, we've just our and our families and so knowing the roots of the limiting belief and then knowing next steps to take to change the limiting belief to benefit you now where you are now in your life um, is it's alchemy so the three types of alchemy that are necessary for transformation change within ourselves um, are physical spiritual and mental. Yeah. And 
Um, as I'm listening to you, you know, we're going to touch on this a little bit more as far as when spiritual alchemy came back and uh, Carl Jung, you know, brought it back a lot of the ideals and philosophy behind it. And um, it reminds me of a quote that he said, it's, it's a, uh, what spiritual alchemy is, it's the roadmap by which we can learn to get ourselves out of our own way. Step, uh, stop being our own worst critic or enemy and allow our fullest potential to unfold. You know, and that's exactly what we've been mentioning. You know, we need that roadmap. We're, as human beings, we're constantly asking, well, what's my purpose in life? You know, we, we've, we come to, you know, why am I here? What am I supposed to do? Or you, we, we seek answers. It's why gurus became such a huge thing, spiritual guides, teachers. We look to, you know, our coaches, our mentors. We look to other people. We, we very much, as human beings, have understood that we need guidance. We need people on our side to help guide us. Especially, you know, we've learned to look for people with wisdom that have lived through it, that you kind of see them transition their life. So we seek that type of guidance. But I feel like with spiritual alchemy, it's reminding us that it's not external. It's not seeking the answers outside. It's, it's reminding us that we need to go back inside of ourselves. This is really a journey of us. And, and really going back into, like you said, the root of where these beliefs come from, really identify what point in my life did I, did I correlate this situation with this truth about myself? And how is it that I've, you know, lived with this my entire life and now realizing it no longer serves me. It's become a hindrance, you know, for a very long time, I was a people pleaser. And at the time as a kid, visually seeing it from the kid's perspective, it absolutely served me. It got me a lot of things out of life. And so I took it to an extreme of completely putting my own values sometimes to the wayside to please others. You know, I would put my own sanity or well-being to the wayside to please others. So as an adult, I took it to a whole other extreme that no longer was serving me. It was a hindrance. So that whole people pleasing mentality, I had to really dig deep. Where does that come from? And it was a very soul shaking type of moment for me. You know, it definitely led to a dark night of the soul amongst other things that I talked about at the dark night of the soul. But it was, it was pertaining to this, not wanting to rock the boat with anybody, not wanting to piss somebody off just to speak my own truth. And it was always like shutting off my own truth. So it didn't upset somebody else. You know, that's a hindrance. That's going to, as an adult, you can't live life that way. You have to be willing to rock the boat to stand up for yourself, right? Or or you can live your life that way. Many people will live that life um, because it, it served, served um, as like a safety net for you, something to mm-hmm. keep you safe in the situation that you were growing up in. And those limiting beliefs or those ways of living – um, that I guess I want to call them, um, the word is disappearing from my mind, but, um, you know, we're raised to behave in a certain way. So that way we could live with the people that we're living with, with a certain amount of safety. Um, and so there are ways to be as a child that in some families, it's not safe to be, um, really out there or it's not safe to be quiet or it's not safe to be too loud or to be loud. So we all grow up with different different ideas ideas of how to be based off of whether or not it was safe when we were younger. So like the people pleasing thing 
you know, that was safe for you for a long time. And of course, you're going to adapt it to um, adulthood. But once you become conscientious of how that's impacting your adult relationships, you realize, oh, it's it's not really working for me anymore. And I, I don't know, I would say that's more of like, be physical spiritual and mental but I was thinking that's more of like mental alchemy when you start to really observe yourself in situations where you're people pleasing and then yeah. you're like oh this isn't right but you know what looking back at all these situations where I've kind of tied in transitions and growth periods they've all been sparked by some sort of physical manifestation first mm. like physically we have to be shooken up physically you know I'm going to relate this to my most recent shook up which was getting covid you know, mm-hmm. it was almost like my bo- my entire body needed to be disintegrated and torn the F down in order for me to pay attention to the new messages, to the new quote unquote downloads that were trying to come through. I needed to completely dismantle myself physically. You know, mm-hmm. it happened three years ago during my accident in order to get that humility message yeah. across and learning to ask for help. What did it ha- How did I manifest that physically into a physical motorcycle accident? I broke my ankle. I had to have surgery. I couldn't take care of myself. Like, the super independent person that's always kind of taking care of herself and doesn't ask for help because she's got it. And, you know, no one can do it better than I can. Therefore, I'm just going to do it before I ask for help. Or that whole mentality got turned upside down by this physical thing that I thought had nothing to do with it. You know, and like most recently, that's what kind of COVID helped me really identify is, and I've read this before. There is a book called The Big Leap. And it talks about how we physically manifest a lot of these internal um, limiting beliefs into physical accidents. We think right. that things just happen to us. They don't happen to us. Just like life is happening for us. And these accidents come to shake us up. You know, I don't mean to make anybody feel bad that you deserve whatever's happening to you. That's not what I'm, I'm talking about. But a lot of these things, you know, physically manifest somehow to come shake you up to then trigger that mental, which then triggers the emotional, which absolutely then turns into like this whole one of it's a spiritual growth period. It's a spiritual shakeup, you know, it's kind of like this karmic lesson. There we go. It's a karmic lesson <laughs> that needs yeah. to be really needs to be heard right now. Maybe it's been trying to be heard over the years and things have happened, but you kind of just started to go down that road, but didn't quite get the lesson. You know, it's, I've had those situations where I didn't quite learn the lesson. Well, this one was like, you're learning the lesson this time. Like it's, there's yeah. no way moving forward in your life without you having to learn this, this, this truth right now. Yeah. And with the types of alchemy, it's said that you have to be present for the full transformation. So you have to have the physical aspect, the spiritual and the mental aspect. And I don't know if it has to go in that order, but I think if you ignore the, um, you know, the mental part of it, the cognitive dissonance that you might be feeling in the situation, if you ignore that, it's going to come to you in a spiritual way or it's going to come to you in a physical way. And I 100% agree with you. As I look back at my own experiences, a lot of my major transformations, my dark night of the souls, like do begin with some sort of physical element that's pretty profound. Like when I got my dirt bike accident and ruptured my spleen and broke ribs and I uh, over Point Loma when I was in the hospital in the trauma center and just, it felt like I was seeing the sunset for the first time, knowing how lucky I was um, that Mm -hmm. my rupture, I mean, my spleen, like it ruptured, but it stopped bleeding and I didn't need surgery. I didn't need the blood transfusion. 
but wow. it gave me it gave me this sense like I'm getting a second chance at mm-hmm. life <laughs> you know and like some shit needs to change <laughs> absolutely with that physical element of like needing feeling it in the body like something doesn't feel right something feels like it needs to shift massively um and then a big part of the physical element of physical alchemy is that it's this idea of unifying opposites within Mm -hmm. the literature of like unifying the four elements um air uh water earth and fire and fire thank you i always forget the last one um and so symbolically bringing all those elements together. And to me, that reminds me of the integration of parts, the integration of the shadow and psychology, uh, that physical stir up, that physical wake up kind of, it, it makes you think like, okay, what something in my body needs to be realigned or needs to be integrated or needs to be healed. Yeah, because we're so conditioned to think of the shadow as our negative side. The shadow is our, you know, it's like this whole Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. The shadows are Hyde. And it's when in the hell did we say that the shadow is a bad thing? Like somehow that just got, I feel like it got mistranslated or something because it is, I mean, it does shakes up. It is, it tends to be a, a kind of like a not so fun experience. So I can see why the shadow is kind of looked at in that way. But the, sha- the shadow serves that purpose. And when we learn to integrate our, our, our parts with the shadow, we realize our true potential, you know, the shadow is there to remind you, you know, from your jumping off point, the shadow is there to remind you, you know, where you're headed towards. And I feel like the shadow very much is, you know, that part we're all trying to shed as spiritual beings of the ego. The shadow is, you know, it tends to be very related. I'm not saying it, it is the ego, because I feel like there's different parts of the ego but it's it's very much I think kind of links up hand in hand sometimes with the ego because it's what hits us right it's what mm-hmm. wakes us the fuck up like we sometimes need those ego wake-ups in order to move into spiritual alchemy and go through these dark nights of the soul because you kind of have to put that sense of self to the side yeah yeah well the ego in psychology forms to protect the shadow the shadow it part of it are all the things that were undesirable or unloved or put to shame from that age of like zero to seven in our early childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's all the things that mm-hmm. it's like, and I think shame is a synonym for the shadow. And so mm-hmm. to integrate the shadow, it's, really difficult work if you've never done about it like there's a high level of accountability that needs to be present and mm-hmm. um I highly recommend if anybody's listening like read about it but also consider like working with a professional counselor or therapist if you want to do shadow work because um your ego will get in the way of yes. working with it the ego wants to protect you from the shame that might come up um the discomfort Um, but once you do the work and you integrate it, it's so liberating. Yes. (laughs) Like you feel profoundly free in who you are. Um, and that's like the goal of being an integrated person and going through the three types of transformation within alchemy. And, and that reminds me a, a lot of what I've, um, learned a lot with 
you know, I've, I've been a student of Tony Robbins amongst other great mentors. And, you know, something they talk about is pain versus pleasure. As human need, you know, as human beings, we have certain needs. And a lot of the times, you know, the two basic, um, I, I want to say, uh, I don't know how, if, how you would label pain and pleasure as emotions or, you know, things that come into our lives to kind of stir things up. But we do more to avoid pain than to gain pleasure. And you would think it would be the other way around that we would do that. We would physically do more things to gain pleasure than to avoid pain. But it's not, you know, mm -hmm. we're conditioned to avoid pain more than to gain pleasure. So, you know, tying in this whole spiritual alchemy, of course, we don't want to integrate with our shadow side because that's painful and we want mm -hmm. to avoid pain at all costs. And I feel like we need to get away from the fact that, you know, doing shadow work is painful. Yeah, it's going to create painful emotions, but I also feel like it's this whole conditioning of our society that negative emotions are bad emotions. Right, right. That yes. you're not supposed to ever feel sad. You're never supposed to feel angry. You're never supposed to feel frustrated. And if you do, you got to do something really fast to get out of those emotions and start feeling happy again, right? Yeah. I feel like this whole positive mindset movement has been misinterpreted because people think it's all about thinking positive and being positive and saying positive things. Yes, it helps, but that's not all it takes. It's acknowledging yeah. that shadow. It's acknowledging, you know, those limitations. It's acknowledging what no longer serves or works for you so that you can work with it. It's mm -hmm. bringing awareness. And when we can bring awareness to the things that cause us suffering, because pain is inevitable. You guys are going to hear me say that a lot. Pain is inevitable, but suffering is a choice. We're yeah. going to go through pain. It's part of the human experience. How much and how you suffer through it, that's all by choice. And yeah. I get it. Some people could argue some extremes of that, but regardless of what's going on, it's still a choice of how you choose to suffer through a situation. And that's where doing this work and having someone that's trained like a professional to, if, if, if you feel like it's too much for you to handle, definitely connect with someone that's trained to know the language that you're putting out there, to know the you know, the, the, the emotions or the physicality that you're projecting so that they can help you, that they can guide you because it can become a little too much. And yeah. we can go slip into some pretty dark moments. And I'm so proud to have really good people to surround myself in that when I feel myself diving into those dark moments, I've sought professional help before, but I have really good people in my life to talk it out with. I'm not expecting them to offer me solutions. Um, Brittany can help kind of attest to that when I talk to her about things it's to talk it out yeah. and it's in the talking it out that I come up with the solution sometimes and I'm not talking it out with her expecting her to tell me how to fix my life I'm talking it out to maybe you know she has a perspective I'm going to hear out her perspective and through that you know and through, through having the right people in your life you come up with these solutions and how to support yourself and even just having people listen to you is very supportive it gets it out of your head and when you hear it out loud, I don't know about you, but sometimes I do a lot of healing just hearing myself talk to other people. I'm like, oh, I just heard that. <laughs> I know. There's so much power in like voicing what's going on inside. And sometimes you just need somebody to provide that to hear what is coming out and maybe to repeat it back to you. And that's what I like about that term, um, you know, providing a safe space 
to me, that idea mm-hmm. of providing a safe space is so I can hear the other person without like imposing my own ideas onto it, without imposing like my beliefs where I'm not going to be resentful or anything like that. It's just so that they can hear it and then I can affirm what they're saying back to them. And exactly. what you were saying about emotions and how those icky negative uh, quote unquote negative emotions aren't really um, valued within our society it made me think of uh, what Jessica Lignato one of my favorite astrologers and mediums has said about she said just because it feels bad doesn't mean it's always bad you know just Mm -hmm. because something feels good it doesn't mean it's always good right yes it feels good to get really wasted sometimes but Mm -hmm. then 10 hours later it's terrible (laughs) right like so just because something feels a certain way right doesn't mean that we're we can I mean we do immediately assign a value to it but that's because how it feels in the moment it doesn't necessarily mean it's in it inherently has that value we just assign value to it And so um, really knowing how to be objective and like, I like the idea of space, providing space and then giving space between what I feel and think in the moment and like space between myself and that moment, just to think on it. Sometimes I need a few days for that, however long, it doesn't matter, but um, providing space to do the work and to really be observant of what's going on inside and then talking it through. So we kind of, we kind of dipped into the mental part there, the mental yeah. alchemy, right? Yeah. Um, one thing before we go on to spiritual alchemy, I want to mention about mental alchemy. Carl Jung really, he ad- adapted mental alchemy from the alchemical pseudoscience. In, and he came up with this in the turn of the 20th century. Um, and so he had this idea that anything in the mind that is rigid such as a limiting belief or biases or anything like that, anything that is rigid or beliefs in the mind, maybe it's not a limiting belief, but maybe it's a belief you have about other people. Mm-hmm. Anything that is rigid, he considered a salt. And we don't, it's not like we actually have like salt crystals in our mind, but this is just a, a, a symbolic idea that like the physical part in the mind is this salt, this limiting, rigid mental construct that needs to be dissolved. Mm-hmm. And I love that idea because I love symbolism. So like anything that I can attach some sort of symbolic image to, I just, I can work with it. And so um, having space to, and time to reflect, time to journal, time to meditate, or even have that conversation with a trusted person or a counselor really helps to break down the mental rigidity that we might have, that we might need to transform in the mind. And And on that note, with mental rigidity, you know, a lot of the times we've, we've achieved these salts because they were easy. It was simple. It was, it, it worked for us or it, it got us a solution that very much, you know, help us move forward or progress. And then eventually just like you said, it becomes a very rigid type of, of thinking. It, it almost makes me think of some of the, you know, um, I don't want to go too political here, but makes me think a little bit more of like the idea of women and their place, right? You know, we, we all, we can see it changing nowadays, but let's travel back in time to the sixties, you know, women had a place or even before the sixties where, before they were involved in the workplace where they were, they had to stay home. They were 
supposed to raise the kids. That was their job. That was their responsibility. You know, if the husband beat you, mistreated you, whatever it may be, if he provided for you, like there's a rigidity there in like how women had to be. And we're starting to see that salt kind of had to be dissolved in this new society that we're, we're headed towards. We're waking up, we're understanding the value of women. We're understanding, you know, human rights and we're getting away from mistreating people, not just women, but other people as well. And I feel like as, as people, we go through those rigidity moments and we'd never know when that rigidity kind of became a solid. We never go back as adults and say, oh, like I, I said this before, you know, I chop an onion a certain way. Why do I chop it this way? Oh, well, my yeah. mom taught me how to chop it this way. Well, I think about that her? every time now. Every time I'm chopping an I'm onion, chopping I think of that example. <laughs> and it's like, who taught my mom how to chop an onion? Well, her mom did. And who taught her? And everybody chops the onion the same way, but nobody asked, is there a different way to chop this onion? Could there be a more efficient way? Could it be a different way? And it's like, we all chop the onion because it provides a solution. We all have diced onion at the very end. It got us what we needed. So why change something, right? What's that whole saying? If it's not broke, don't fix it. Ugh, yeah. I hate that. Thing. I know. But it's like, you've got to question everything. And, and these salts do become like, you know, like these hurdles almost that you have to jump through. But it's not you have to jump through or over, you have to literally punch through them and disintegrate them so that you can build something new, right? Space creates a vacuum. You can't yeah. bring in newness. You can't bring in that higher level of consciousness if it's, if it's you know, kind of like gunked over. I'm thinking of like a pipe that's got all this gunk all around it. And there's like new levels of consciousness trying to poke through the middle, but there's so much gunk around it that it just, it barely filters through. Like if you really want to power through that, you got to get rid of the gunk. Yeah. You got to clear space. And, and then your- it'll flow. Your example of gender norms reminds me of what we talked about in our Dark Night of the Soul episode about um, values. Like these mental thoughts, um, they're not always, they don't, most of the time they aren't formed by our own person. They are formed mm-hmm. externally about mm-hmm. what we're raised to think within our culture, within the society yeah. that we grew up in. And so it's always like super important for any sort of transformation to be critical of um, what we're consuming, what we've been raised in. And um, like you said, if it's not broken, don't fix it. And so for people who are perfectly fine, functioning within the society as it's already established, like there won't be a lot of room for them to question things. Mm -hmm. Like it really like those who are marginalized or oppressed on the outskirts of society, they're the ones who have, um, it's, it's kind of, sounds like an oxymoron but it's like they do have more space or at least a different perspective um to really think about the cultural cultural norms right and like how society functions and so I think it's I can't remember who said it but it's like the oppressed people they always have a better um perspective and more knowledge of the majority because they're on the outside looking in and they constantly have to adapt to the majority so they tend to have well-rounded, in-depth knowledge and concept of the society at large. Yeah, and and it reminds me of that that, uh, quote that the highest level of knowledge or the greatest knowledge is called compassion. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like 
people that are marginalized and oppressed, we tend to, we tend to understand compassion a little bit more, right? Mm -hmm. Then we always question that person that is, that is being the, the oppressor, like, do they not see what they're doing to another human being? Like you always try to put your, like, I've always tried to put my, my, myself and, and, and try to figure out like, what sort of person would I have to be to be able to like beat and kick and this and abuse and like to do with the things that have been done to women, all these things and like to other human beings. I'm like, what type of person? Cause I don't consider myself and I don't even think I could even come close to being that type of person. Even if they were evil and we were doing bad things to me, I don't think I have that level of, of action in me to retaliate against another person. So it's like, I can't put myself mentally, emotionally, spiritually into those types of mentalities. So it's kind of like, I feel like we tend to have a, a different level of compassion because that's what compassion is, right? Walking in other people's shoes, understanding where they're coming from, why they do things. Even the guy that murders someone, you can have a level of compassion for him and, and ask, you know, what did his life have to be in order for him to become this person? And, you know, that's compassion. And I feel like we have to have compassion for ourselves as well, because it's not pointing the finger, oh, society made me be, be this way. Or because I was raised by these type of parents, I'm like this. It's, it's not about that. It's having compassion for yourself for the life that you've had to live up until now. And then giving yourself compassion and space and grace to say, I have the choice now to continue to believe that. Or I can make a change that's going to help me transition, that's going to help me transform, that's possibly going to help me evolve the reality that is surrounding me. Yeah, that's a good point to reiterate is that all transformation requires a choice. I mean, a lot of times we are forced into situations that, um, you know, either require us to continue with the status quo or make a change and mm -hmm. uh the spirit so we talked about the physical a lot of times transformation occurs or is initiated with a physical element but not always um it will be present in some way or another i do think like emotions too are like you know that's a physical sign that like oh something's well, like you said even giving yourself space that requires some sort of physical type of action to yeah. to to be aware to recognize to give yourself like physical I feel like has everything to do with what we do physically right to then you know move us into these different phases yeah it's very much like the actionable steps the actual parts of um alchemy and like what does that look like to give space for instance that might be if you're having an argument with a friend that might be saying, hey, like, I really want to process this and make sure I want to make sure I say everything with integrity. So I need a few days yeah. to really think about this. Can I call you um, on Thursday? Right. And like, that's, that, that's putting a boundary there. That's giving yourself the time to really think about it and to honor like the, the situation. Like, you're not just going to like blurt out whatever you're feeling in the moment. You're not going to react from your yeah. wounding or your hurt. Like, you want to honor the other person, you want to honor yourself. So you're, you're creating that space, right? Very intentionally, right? Mm -hmm. Let's, let's talk about the spiritual component. Spiritual alchemy, I feel like this is where <laughs> this is where the real shit happens. <laughs> this is where you have that shift 
and perspective. You've got that. It definitely much transitions you transitions you to address what is no longer working at the root, right? It's not just getting rid of the surface level stuff. It's really peeling back the layers, the spiritual layers of yourself, of your conditioning, of you know, your life experiences and really digging deep. And, you know, we say this very easily, but it's not an easy thing to do or achieve. And it's not something you're going to do overnight. It's not something you're going to do in a few hours. It's not something you're going to do on a Sunday afternoon when you sit in prayer. It's going to maybe take you a few weeks, a few months, even a few years to go through some of these. And like for me, I know I've gone through a transitioning period in my life since I started my spiritual awakening three years ago, and I thought I was on the other side of it up until recently. I was very much reminded, like, no, you're still going right through the midst of it. There's still a lot of growth, a lot of layers to peel back. There's still a of get to know because I feel like the spiritual awakening is is a is more of instead of becoming a different person, you're just shedding layers so that you you remember who you are at your core so you remember the being that we were put on this earth to be and I feel like that's what the spiritual awakening has helped me you know evolve through but there's still very much a lot of humanness that I have to deal with oh yeah right everybody does it's it's an ever-ending and so I was recently reminded you know for the spiritual to go to the next level, there's still a lot of physical, a lot of mental stuff that I have to address. But the spiritual side very much, you know, is it, it's, it's, it's bringing, it's, it's marrying all parts, right? Marrying the physicality of yourself, marrying your, your mental, your emotions with your energy body. And it's, it's really coming back to center in yourself and saying, I am one right now I am connected in one how does do I now physically act out there so that life happens differently what are the physical things that I have to do differently what are the mental things that I have to think differently about what are the emotions that I need to work on so that my external reality starts to shift in the ways that I need it to shift. You know, first you have to have a lot of awareness to know where it is that you're headed. Because I feel like sometimes we go through these dark spiritual moments, but without having an idea or uh, having a, I don't want to say purpose because sometimes you don't know that you're going through this and it's just going to hit you and it might make you want to ask what the purpose of it is. I feel like it's just more for us to remember that one, you're not broken. Two, there's nothing wrong with you. And three, you have forgotten who the hell you are. Yeah. And it's to um, transmute yourself into your higher self, right? Mm -hmm. In the literature, they talk about the purpose of spiritual alchemy is to transform our chaotic or unintegrated energy on a personal and cultural level. So it's about connecting with our own spirituality and our soul, but also making that change on a cultural level, like you know, being the change you want to see out there in the world and knowing that like, once you start to change yourself on the inside, you're going to change and you're going to, you're going to live by example or not live, but lead by example, you know, and then it starts to change your relationships. And going back to what you said about how like this 
is not an overnight process. Mm-hmm. You know, we are human beings. Inter- in, well, the way I like to say it is that we are a soul in a human body and we are interacting with other souls in human bodies. And so every interaction is an opportunity to practice this transformation that you want to practice being the person you want to be. And it's not easy. It's uncomfortable sometimes. But like we've said previously, not everything that feels bad is bad. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And on the spiritual sense, just think of, you know, I, I always come back to Christ consciousness and relate that very much to the higher self. It's not that you're trying to be this like perfect person. We're not trying to achieve perfection. You know, I I feel like the higher self gets misconstrued and attached to this idea of perfection. It's not about being perfect. It's what would the highest, most greatest version of yourself, how would they think? How would they act? You know, if you were to if you were to come up to a homeless person on the street that came and asked you for money, how would your highest self respond? Would they look at them dirty and say, "Ugh, they just want to ask for money. They, they're in it for the quick buck. You know, they. I work my ass off. Why don't they go and do something productive to earn their money? That's not a highest self type of response. You know, the highest self would be like, this person has come to me because I have the ability right now to help them. And the way that I can physically help them is with money. And you have a choice. You have a choice of what to do there. And so my highest self would want to help this person. You know, they're asking for a dollar. I'm going to give them a dollar. I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but that's what my highest self would do. Instead of question them, their background, why aren't they working? Why are they just asking and handing out the, you know, sticking their hand out for money? I'm going to help them because I'm in the position to help them, not question them and not judge them. You know, somebody could probably answer that in a different way, but that's this, this, point spiritually that I am right now if someone comes and asks me for help and I'm physically able to help them without it putting me in a situation where it's going to put me you know to go bankrupt or to be in trouble financially or whatever it may be then I'm going to do what it what I can to do that you know and whether it be just donating money to 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 be able to help out with meals or whatever it may be if, if this person's coming to me for help my response now is what would my highest self do yeah. Yeah. And, and even that whole, that whole idea of like, is this the right or wrong thing to do? That is also like a very societal norms question, right? Like it's, so when you are referring to your higher self or when you are using your higher self to discern what to do in the moment, you are usually acting from a more compassionate space, you mm-hmm. know? Um, yeah, everybody's gonna have a, a different answer to that question. Right. Um, but it's like, the point is, is asking, well, what would my higher self do in this situation? And that yes. affects everybody on a cultural level. Like if we, if we took more time to do that, um, you know, this world would probably be a little bit kinder, a little more kinder. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, once we dive into physical, mental, spiritual, you know, there's, there's a, we call them seven stages of transformation. Yeah, which we'll get, we'll get this week. Yeah, no, we'll get into that next week. We we just wanted to introduce the the three types of alchemy. Um, All three really need to be present for a complete transformation. So that's physical, spiritual, and mental. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there are, like what Marcella said, there are 
stages and phases within all of those. It gets rather complicated, but really just to keep it simple, I mean, if you are feeling the need for a change, think about what is the physical that needs to be changed. Mm -hmm. Going back to our example, do I need space? Mm -hmm. Do I need to exercise? Do I need to go to the doctor? Like whatever it is, there's a physical component to it. And then the spiritual, connecting with your soul. If you don't believe you have a soul, you're probably not listening to this podcast, (laughs) but you need to take that into account. What does my spiritual higher self want in this moment? And then the mental, are there, is there any um, mental rigidity or limiting beliefs that need to be transmuted? Yeah. And only you can answer these questions. Um, Definitely have a support system, seek a support system. Um, Ultimately our goal with our podcast is to build a community where we can support each other, maybe connect with each other. And as you know, we start discussing more of these ideas, be able to come together with each other to be that community because we know it's tough out there. Um, And, you know, some of us may not have the financial means to seek that professional help. So at least having a community that supports you, that knows what you're going through, that comes in and checks on you every so often is very helpful, you know, just to be reminded that you're seen, that you're being heard, that you're not, you know, uh, a forgotten human being in this world, that you do matter. And that as much as you feel that you don't matter, you know, the smallest bit of sand that you can bring to this beach that we call life is absolutely necessary. So, you know, I'm excited to talk about the seven stages of alchemy. Um, There's a lot of symbolism. I like, I like symbolism. I enjoy talking about symbolism a lot. This is why I love those books, uh, the Da Vinci Code and such, all the symbolism and tying in different ideals from different cultures and you know, it, it's it's finding that sameness and that, that congruency amongst our uh, society that I really enjoy through symbolism. And, and, you know, there's a reason why symbolism resonates with us so much, because we are chemical beings, we are matter, we are physical beings, we are energy beings. And just like our physical world is impacted by all the other energy and all the other things that influence that we can't really see, you know, our body is impacted that way by frequencies and vibrations that we really can't put our finger on. You can't see Wi-Fi. You can't see Bluetooth signal. You can't see any of those signals, but we know they're obviously doing something because you can hear me right now because of an internet connection, you know, through invisible frequencies. So what's to say some invisible frequency out there doesn't influence how we feel and the things we do and that's just a whole other conversation, right? Yeah. And I mean, with symbolism, like we are meaning makers, like our, our mind has meaning out of everything. And it's, Mm -hmm. it could be gorgeous and used the meanings we make the, um, I mean, it's in literature, it's in art, it's in music, it's in the way we interact with people. Um, it's within our dreams, you know, it's, the ability to interpret symbols and create symbols like we're the ones doing that yes it's written right each letter means something um we have created this world of symbolism so um whether you like it or not you're participating in it (laughs) exactly exactly so we'll dive deeper into the seven stages of transformation next podcast Um, You know, we hope that through today's podcast, you got a little bit of sense 
of what you may be going through if you're going through a dark night of the soul and you know you're probably putting things together and be like oh I remember what happened a few weeks ago or last month and it's like you know I trip and fell and now I understand why I tripped and fell and this and that so you know hopefully you start putting the um the pieces together. That's what I've always enjoyed through the spiritual journey is that as I have like an aha moment, I don't know about you, but it's almost like my mind goes into like this, this like things that were kind of jumbled all over the place. All of a sudden that aha moment, like puts the everything like together in an order. And like, like I can physically see it in front of me happening. And I'm like, Oh, that would yeah. make sense. So start connecting the dots. Like, Oh, this happened because I reacted this way. And then this person reacted to me reacting that way. And then yeah, you begin to see it all come together. But and you're like things that thought that didn't come together, all of a sudden, you do realize everything is just connected. And it was all meant for a purpose to, to, you know, get you to wake the fuck up, maybe, you know, that's <laughs> ultimately life, we say it before, it's not happening to us, it's happening for us. For us. So yeah. regardless of whatever dark moment you're going through, you know, I know it's hard to ask in the moment, but there is a lesson there is a growth opportunity. Maybe it's a time for expansion. Maybe it's a time for transformation. You know, you can't change who you are, but you can definitely transform at your very core. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't like thinking that the bad shit that has happened to them has a purpose. And yeah. I don't want to say anyone deserves the shit, the neglect, the abuse that right. they grew up with. Uh, but I do feel like there is, you honor yourself when you make something of it. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. when you, you turn, you turn that shitty lead that you, you were given into a message. It is something shiny and beautiful yes. in its own way for you primarily. And then that has a profound effect on those around you. I like that, okay. Brittany. Very well said. All right. We'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much, everyone. Bye.